Well, guys, Scripture tells us to give honor to whom honor is due, so I want to honor a few folks this morning, Um, and that would mainly be any graduates. So if you graduated from middle school, you graduated from high school, somebody graduated from college, uh, whether you're here, watch online, can we just give them a hand real quick? And I would especially say the middle schoolers, because, man, if you graduated middle school, you just completed the most awkward period of your life. So good for you. Good for you. also want to honor all the teachers who put in so much hard work and effort. Like, can we give it up for our teachers this morning? And if you're here, you're a middle schooler, high schooler, but just believe me, the teachers are even more happy for summer vacation than you are. And that's the truth. That's the truth. So if you have a Bible today and you want to follow along, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. We're in the second week of a series called Last Words. And the idea behind that is 2 Timothy is literally Paul's last words as he's writing these awaiting execution. And he writes them to his apprentice, Timothy. And so here's the way I want to start out this morning. All of us fear something And sometimes it's ridiculous things. Sometimes it's sharks or spiders or snakes or that sort of thing. Sometimes it's something a little more serious. But the thing that we do know about fear is that fear actually keeps us from doing things that we might otherwise really, really want to do. For example, I would love to go skydiving. I really would. I feel like that would be an adrenaline rush. I think it would be fun. But I really fear something, and it's not heights. It's the hard surface below if the parachute doesn't open. That, to me, is terrifying, so I'm just not really into that, so I don't do something that I'd like to do. Maybe you're a single guy, and you'd really, really like to date that girl, but you are terrified of asking her out, and so even though you'd really like to, you fear rejection, and so you just kind of sort of stay single. Um, Maybe for you, maybe it's something like this. Yep, sometimes you forget your notes as a pastor. It happens. Um, Some Maybe you're here, maybe it's something a little more serious. Maybe like you really do dream of like changing careers, or maybe you really do dream of like a different major or that sort of thing, but you really fear what somebody else thinks, and so you're like, eh, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. I'd like to do it, but I'm just not going to do it. Fear keeps you from something you'd really like to do. Or, Or maybe this, maybe, just maybe, there's something stirring in your soul that you feel like God is calling you to do that you would really like to do, But man, fear keeps you from actually jumping forward and taking that step. Fear keeps you from doing not just what you would like to, but what God has told you to do. So the question I want us to think about this morning is this. What is fear keeping you from doing that you know you should do and what God has called you to do? What is fear keeping you from doing that you don't just want to do, but you honestly know you should do it? And even more than that, God has actually called you to do it. Here's a couple of different ideas that may 
resonate with you. Perhaps it's the next step in your faith journey. Maybe it's baptism, which, by the way, we're doing baptism here again next week. It's going to be awesome. Um, So if you haven't signed up for baptism and need to be baptized, that is your next step. But maybe fear keeps you from taking that next step. Maybe it's a conversation that needs to happen. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage and you need to have a conversation with somebody, maybe even see a counselor, but there's some fear over what somebody else will think and it keeps you from taking that step. Maybe it's something like, man, you, you live across the street from somebody or work with somebody and, man, you want to invite them to church. You want to have a gospel conversation. In fact, Deep down inside, you know you should and that God is even calling you to that moment. But man, fear just keeps you from taking that step. What is fear keeping you from doing that you know you should do and that God has called you to do? So this morning, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how to overcome that fear Not because the fear goes away, but because God has put something inside of us that enables us to move forward in spite of the fear. So there's a few things we need to know about fear. And the first thing comes from 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Paul writes this to his apprentice, Timothy. He says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, In other words, and this won't be on the screen, but you can write it down. Anytime we feel fear, anytime we feel this sense of, man, I feel like I just need to shrink back. I just just don't know about moving forward with this. I'm frightened to do this. Anytime we feel fear like that, that does not originate with God. That does not originate from what God has put inside of you. So fear doesn't come from God, so where does fear come from? Well, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Why does he roar? He roars to intimidate you. He roars to scare you, to frighten you to keep you from going the way that God has called you to go. And so fear does not originate from God. Fear originates from the enemy, from the devil. And yet so often at the same time, that fear can be very, very effective in keeping us from doing what we know to do and what God has called us to do. And the reason it's so effective is there's a tension there, and that's this. The places Jesus will lead you to if you're following him closely enough will be places that are a little overwhelming and a little scary. In fact, if you look at Psalm 23, which we're going to be walking through during our summer connect group, that starts this Tuesday at 7, one of the places that the Good Shepherd leads us through is the valley of the shadow of death or the darkest valley. And so I want to bust up a myth that can be very, very prevalent in church world, and it's this. Well, if God is leading me, I'll always have peace about it. I'll always be chill about it. It'll be, hey, this is no problem. This is good. Man, I'm not worried about it at all. 
sounds awesome for a Christian t-shirt or a Christian coffee mug. It's just not biblical at all. Case in point, Jesus himself, the night before he's crucified, tells his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Jesus wasn't looking at the cross. Jesus wasn't looking at physical torture. Jesus wasn't looking at bearing the full weight of the wrath of God and being like, oh, praise God, brother. It's all good. I'm chill about it. I have total peace. Biblically, I don't know that Jesus had a lot of peace about bearing the weight of the wrath of God. His soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, and yet somehow we've gotten it in our minds that, oh, if God leads me somewhere, if I don't feel peace about it, God must not be leading me. It's just not true, guys. If you don't feel peace about something, if you feel fear over something, I would actually argue that may just be a really good indication that you're going the right direction because the enemy is never going to roar at you as long as you're shrinking back. The enemy is never going to roar at you if you're not making progress. But you start taking steps. You start moving forward into a life that Jesus calls you to. You start being bold with your faith. Maybe you're here and you're not yet a follower of Christ, but you start having in your mind, man, I think it's time to give my life to Christ. You sign up to go public through baptism. You commit to the life of a local church. You start getting help for the things you're struggling with. The enemy's going to roar, guys. And it's going to feel overwhelming. It's going to feel distressing. It's going to feel a little scary. You're going to feel fear. That's where Jesus is going to lead us. So how do we move forward in the face of fear? How do we move forward when the enemy roars and tries to intimidate us? Well, the answer is not a fear-free life. The answer is this. Paul tells Timothy this, 2 Timothy 1.7. He's the whole verse. He says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The idea is this. Jesus doesn't lead us to a life free of feeling fear, but he does lead us into a faith that overcomes the fear we feel. Jesus doesn't lead us into hunky-dory, rainbows and ponies and skittles and sunshine all the time, and total ease of soul where there's never any tension. No, he'll lead you straight towards a roaring lion. But he'll also lead you into faith that overcomes the fear you feel. How do we overcome the fear that we feel? The answer in the text is simply this. It's through the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And you might say, well, how do I get that? Well, the good news is, if you're a follower of Christ, the moment you repented of your sin, and the moment you put your trust in Jesus for salvation, God sent His Spirit to live inside of you. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul writes, that the moment you believed, you were marked with a seal, a deposit, the Holy Spirit in you. You get all of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. Some of us need to understand that because I don't know what theological background you come from, 
But some of us have heard the idea that, well, you get saved at this point, and then you get the Holy Spirit later on. And biblically, guys, that's not accurate. You get all the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. The rest of your life is the process of the Holy Spirit getting all of you. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says in Ephesians 5.18 to be filled with the Spirit. And to be filled is this idea of coming under the direction and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that is not a one-time event that happens in your life. The text of that verse is actually, or the text of that verb is actually this idea of it's ongoing, it's continual, it's repetitive. See, we like to say that we're all a work in progress. We do not arrive. As long as you have breath on this earth, your life on the other side of salvation is the process of you coming more and more and more under the direction and the control of the Holy Spirit. And as that happens, that will lead you into a life and a faith that is not free of fear, but that overcomes the fear you feel. How might that happen? Three ideas to share this morning. The first is this. The Holy Spirit in me empowers me to overcome what intimidates me. The Holy Spirit in me empowers me to overcome what intimidates me. Strength changes the game, right? Like when you're strong, like when you're confident in your strength, it changes how you approach a situation. For example, when my wife and I took our trip uh, in March of this year, we went out west. It required us getting on a couple of different plane flights. And on one of those flights from Detroit to Salt Lake City, I encountered something I never thought I would encounter on an airplane. Honestly, it's made me a little nervous to get back on airplanes in the future, and you'll probably understand why in a second. So my wife and I weren't sitting together. Like, she was in the row behind me. I was in the row ahead of her. And sitting next to me is, is, is just what I would call a grandmotherly type. Like, she's probably between 75 and 85. Sweet, little old lady. You know, that, that's not a stereotype, by the way, but she was little, and she was up there in age. And so just grandmother. I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, she starts taking out her crochet bag. I'm like, oh, she's going to do some knitting. You know, I like the movie I'm watching, but she can knit. That's fine. Out of this crochet bag, she pulls, and I'm not kidding, a metal pair of scissors about that long. They're supposed to catch that with metal detectors. And it really caught me off guard. I was like, isn't that supposed to be like a weapon that like you can't have on an airplane? But I wasn't really scared in this moment because the next thought that went through my mind was, well, two thoughts went through my mind. The first was this. I don't know that she fits the profile of somebody that's going to hijack an airplane. But even if she's lost it and is going to, I'm pretty sure I can take her as long as I get the first blow in, so I'll just kind of keep my eye on her. Because I'm not the biggest guy in the world. Like, I'm very average height, very average build. But, you know, I'm younger. She was smaller and more elderly. And I was like, I'm pretty sure if she comes at me with the scissors, I can probably, I can probably take her. Will I ever get on a flight again? I don't know. I'm not sure if the metal detectors work or if they saw them and were like, probably not a threat. I don't know. 
And I won't try the theory next time I go on a plane just to see if they catch my scissors. But what's the difference there? The difference is I was much bigger, much stronger than this lady, and so there, there's, there's no tension there because strength changes the game. Well, in the same way, guys, when Jesus leads us to things that are overwhelming, that are intimidating, that are simply too much for us, the strength of the Holy Spirit changes the game. But let's make sure we really, really understand this. This is not you having a sense of, oh man, I'm strong now, I'm an overcomer, I can get over this. It is not about you. It has nothing to do with you. Because Jesus said this, John 15, 5, the last part of that verse, he says, apart from me, you can do, what's that next word? Somebody help me out. Nothing. Can we let that just sink in for a moment? Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. I can do nothing. I can't be a great dad apart from Jesus. I can't be a great husband apart from Jesus. Shoot. I can't even respond kindly to the person that cuts me off in traffic without Jesus. Let me ask you this. What is it that you're trying to do this morning that you're trying to do in your own strength? Through your own ability? And for some of you, Maybe that thing you're trying to do is make God happy. Maybe that thing you're trying to do is make yourself right with God or fix yourself up, up, up enough to where like, okay, well, if I come to church, if I throw a tin in the plate or the bucket, whatever it is we use, if I maybe read a little bit of the Bible, if I'm really nice to this person, if I just do enough nice things, if I just do enough good things, then I can make myself right with God. I can please God. I can make God happy. Well, if that's you this morning, I just want to tell you, you are fighting a fight you cannot win. Because the point of Christianity is not, hey, do all this stuff and it makes God happy. No, the point of Christianity is you can't make God happy. You can't make yourself right with God. You can't do enough religious or good things to get back to God on your own. That's why we need a Savior in the first place. Because we could not get to God on our own. And yet God in His love for us sends His Son Jesus to earth to live the perfect sinless life we couldn't live and then die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin that we deserve to pay and then come back to life so that through Him and Him alone we can be saved and we can be changed and we can be made into the people that He wants us to be. It has nothing to do with our ability has everything to do with what he's done. So apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, certainly not overcome the fear that intimidates us. And yet through Jesus, 
Watch what he promises, Acts 1.8. He says this to his disciples, but you will receive, what's the word? Oh, come on. Some conviction, folks. Or maybe go get some coffee. I'll wait. Let's try again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This mission that God gave his disciples was something they would have had zero confidence to do. After all, these guys, man, they weren't religious elites. They were fishermen. And 40 days prior to this, they hadn't been going out telling everybody about Jesus. They'd been holed up in a room with the doors locked because Jesus had just been killed and they thought they were next. These weren't bold, grab-it-by-the-horns sort of guys. These were normal people. But Jesus said, hey, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you'll be able to do the thing that you have zero confidence to do right now. So whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're afraid of, the Holy Spirit, not you, but the Holy Spirit gives you the power to overcome the thing that intimidates you. You might say, well, then how do I tap into that? Two suggestions. Ask God to fill you with His Holy Spirit, and He'll always answer that prayer. And then just do the thing that He's told you to do. And you will see God's power begin to work in and through your life. And one of the ways He'll do that specifically is to this. The Holy Spirit enables me to freely love instead of fearing rejection. Because, guys, isn't that one of the things that keeps us from doing what God calls us to do? We become so frightened and so scared of what other people will think. We're scared of their rejection. We're scared of getting flagged on Instagram or reported on Facebook. But what we're most scared of is especially when it comes to people we know, people we're friends with, people we're family with. And God starts to call us towards the next step. God starts to call us to something, and the fear that we have is, well, man, if I do this, man, what are they going to think about me? Are they still going to like me? Are they still going to be friends with me? But the Holy Spirit in us enables us to not fear rejection, even though it's a very real reality, and even though it does feel scary, He enables us to freely love. In fact, this, won't be, this will be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But Galatians 5.13, like the very last part of it says this. We're told to serve one another humbly in love. How do we do that? I can promise you, you will never do it just like trying to churn it up on your own. Especially when it comes to loving people that feel a little unlovely. 
No, it only happens as you depend on the Holy Spirit. As you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, as you ask God to fill you with His Spirit, and then you go and do the thing that God has called you to do. Sometimes that's a step that you fear rejection over. And and let me just be honest with you. If you're taking the type of steps God calls you to take, you're going to be rejected at some point. I say, well, that doesn't sound very fun. It's not. I mean, it hurts. And if I can just be like really, really transparent as a pastor, like this really weird season we went through with like COVID and pandemic and all that sort of stuff, man, it was honestly one of the most painful seasons I have. It, no, 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 it was the most painful season I've ever been through as a pastor. And one of the biggest reasons for that was people whose table I'd sat at, who we'd broke bread together, shared together, shared struggles together, prayed with each other, spent years together. For, for one reason or another, and never through a conversation with me, it just disappeared. And whether that was over trying to navigate social unrest and issues of race from a biblical perspective or politics from a biblical perspective or trying to thread the needle on things with COVID, I just transparently be honest, man, I walked through that and it sucked. And I know that is not politically correct to talk about, you know, pastor pain and that sort of thing, but I'll just just be real, guys. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. But it's also a function of following Jesus. And you may have experienced that in in that season of life. And in fact, I don't think there's probably a person in this room who you didn't feel some sort of rejection from somebody walking through that season because of all the things that were on different sides of the fence. It's painful. But here's what happens when we experience rejection. And I know from experiencing this, we can tend to want to put walls up. We can tend to want to be like, well, I'm never going to let somebody get close again. Because if that's going to happen... I'm, I'm done with that. I don't want to do that because that didn't feel good and I don't do anything twice unless God tells me to or unless I love it. But that's not the example set by Jesus. Guys, think about this. Who invited Judas to follow Jesus? Jesus invited Judas to follow him. Jesus, the Son of God, did he know or not know what Judas was going to do? He knew exactly what Judas was going to do. And yet for three years, he invited Judas into his circle with open arms and loved him and discipled him and poured his life into him, even knowing what was coming. The example Jesus sets for us is, hey, You're going to be rejected. Love freely anyway. Not out of your strength, but out of the power of the Holy Spirit operating through you. And there are going to be times where that is astronomically difficult and terribly painful. 
It may be a marriage struggle you're walking through right now where you very, very much are like, I'm not really sure I want to try reconciliation because what if it doesn't work? It may be another relationship you need to reconcile where there's some hurt there and, and God actually commands you to initiate reconciliation and you're like, I'm not really sure I can do that because what if they, what if they, don't, what if they don't accept me? Or, or even worse, what if I get right up to it and I can't even follow through with it? And whether it's that issue or another one, let me tell you this, guys. If you're following Jesus closely enough, you will end up in situations where you're like, I cannot do this anymore. I do not know if I can keep going. I don't think I can take another step. Or you might say, man, the next step, the next step seems way too scary. It seems way too frightening. God, at this point, I just feel done. And that's where you stop depending on your strength. In fact, I would argue, I think that's exactly where God wants to lead every single one of us because we will stop depending on our power and start depending on His and we'll discover that the Holy Spirit finishes when my flesh fails. The Holy Spirit finishes when my flesh fails. We have to understand, guys, your willpower has a limited supply. No matter how mentally tough you are, for example, last summer about this time, I was like, I need to get back into running because it's life-giving and all that sort of stuff. And I used to run on Sunday afternoon after I would preach, and in the middle of June seemed like a great time to go and try to run three miles. And I was like, I got this. It doesn't matter that it's 95 degrees in the grass and about 120 on the pavement. I'm a former college athlete, former college baseball player. I'm mentally tough. I'll just go out there and hop on through it. I got about two-thirds of the way through it. Then I had to humiliate myself and walk the rest of the way. Which, if you're a former athlete, you know, like, when you get to the point where you're like, you can't really do the things you used to do, like, it just, it just don't feel that good. Guys, spiritually, that's exactly the point God wants to lead you to. To where you're like, I cannot go any further on my own. It's too much. It's too intimidating. It's too scary. Guys, I guarantee you Paul got to that point. In fact, I bet he got to that point often when he was being beaten or stoned or shipwrecked as a function of being a missionary for the gospel. I bet you he got to that point when he's sitting here awaiting his execution. But when he was at that point, I'm also certain that Paul, as a Pharisee who would have had the whole Old Testament memorized, would have turned his attention to a verse like this, Psalm chapter 73, verse 26. He said, the psalmist writes, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, yeah, there will be times where I'm not feeling it anymore. There will be times where, man, my flesh is weak. And I'm just done. But it's not about me carrying forward in my own strength because I can't carry forward in my own strength. 
But God is the strength of my heart and is my portion forever. He's the one who carries me forward when I don't feel like I can take another step. I think it's with that verse in mind that Paul actually wrote this in his first time in prison in Philippians chapter 1-6. He said this, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, when Jesus leads you to that point to where you don't feel like you can move forward, where it's too much, it's too frightening, what Paul says is this, hey, I know it's too much. I know it's intimidating. But depend on the Holy Spirit and what God has started in you, He will carry it on to completion, even if you're sitting in a prison cell. And that's where some of you guys may feel you are today. Not in a literal cell, but trapped in something to where you're like, I can't move forward. Maybe you're trapped in fear of what other people think. Maybe you're trapped in fear of the unknown. Maybe you're trapped in an addiction and you don't see a way out. But maybe what you really, really feel in that moment is even though you don't like where you are, the way to get out of it is way too frightening. It's way too scary. And you know the way forward is going to bring about unimaginable pain. Paul knew that. Paul actually told Timothy that would be the case for Timothy. And so what do you do when things are too scary, when they're overwhelming, when the enemy roars at you and tries to intimidate you to go back the way you came? Well, Paul writes this in verse 8. He says this, So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Not in your own strength, not in your own ability, not because it's going to be easy, because the truth is there's going to be suffering. But Paul says, hey, join me in the pain, join me in the process, Join me in suffering by the power of God, even when the enemy roars. So how do you move forward when things are way too fearful? When things feel like you cannot get another step in? You don't stop. You don't try harder. You depend on the Holy Spirit, and you run towards the roar. You run towards the roaring lion empowered by the Holy Spirit knowing, hey, he can roar, he can scream, he can even bite. But if God has called you to it, he will carry you through it. Here's the question this morning. What's the roar that you need to run towards? What is the thing that God has called you to do, has told you to do, is leading you to do that it just freaks you out? And I would even add this. And this quote isn't original to me. It's by another pastor. But man, if you feel totally confident in what you're going towards, if your dream, so to speak, doesn't scare you, 
man, it's probably too small. It's probably not calling you to depend on the Holy Spirit enough. Because God wants to lead us to the place where we stop trying to do it ourselves and we completely depend on Him. So Heavenly Father, this morning I pray as You've spoken to us through Your Word, God, that You would work deeply in our hearts, move us into a life of faith and through the fear that every single one of us encounters this morning. Not empowered by us, but empowered by you, Holy Spirit. So with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, there's three opportunities for a response, and we have them set up throughout the room. First off, if you know specifically what the roar is that God has called you to run to, man, I'd love to pray for you on that. And you can make that happen by just going to the back of the room. There's a rack set up with some paper clips on it and a table next to it with some index cards. Just write down what you're facing, clip it on there, and we'll make sure you get prayed for. And I don't know what that roar is, but I would love to serve you and pray for you on that. And our team would love to pray for you on that. Maybe you're at the place to where, man, you know it's time to take a step and you want to do that today. And so if that's you, I would just encourage you guys, man, we have a communion table set up here. And communion, by the way, is just for believers. If you're not a follower of Christ yet, communion is not for you. But when we take communion, we remember what Jesus did for us on our behalf. The bread represents his body, the juice is blood. And we might even remember that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed to the Father, man, not my will, but your will be done. Even in his stress, even in his feeling overwhelmed at bearing the weight of sin, he told his Father, not my will, but your will be done. If that's your prayer this morning, I would pray, man, celebrate communion. And perhaps you're here and your next step is actually giving your life to Christ. Or your next step is baptism. There's a next steps table set up in the back as well there as well with some connect cards on it. And if that's your step today, I would love to invite you as we sing. Head back there. Drop down, drop, you know, pull out one of those cards, write your name, your information, and the step you took. And we'd love to celebrate with you and follow up with you. But I especially want to take a moment for the one here who, man, you've not yet given your life to Christ. Scripture says now is the day of salvation. And God is not looking for you to do something. He's just looking for you to surrender your life to Him. To say, God, I'm done trying to do it on my own. I can't go any further. I can't make myself right with you. But Jesus, you died on a cross and you rose from from the grave. And today I give my life to you. And if that's you this morning, man, head back to that next steps table, fill out the card, drop it in, and we'd love to celebrate with you and help you start your journey following Jesus. So as we stand and sing, however the Holy Spirit leads you to respond, you respond in that way. Holy Spirit, work deeply in our hearts in this moment. Have your way, and you do what only you can do. For Jesus' glory, in your name.